You're listening to the Westminster Pulpit, an online ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at www.westbca.com. I invite you now to turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 10. In recent times, pirates off the coast of Somalia have attacked ships and holding them hostage, threatening to attack them with missiles, demanding payment from the ship owners in order to release their precious cargo. Thugs almost every day, every week in Iraq kidnap Christian leaders and demand ransom from churches and family and loved ones. Even closer to home in Juarez, Mexico, we hear of drug dealers and gang members holding Americans hostage, hoping that perhaps wealthy family members back in the States will pay large sums of money to redeem them. Such is life in a fallen world, oftentimes governed by lies, manipulation, extortion. It was for this very reason that God and his love for us offered to send his own son to pay a ransom for us. As we prepare our hearts and minds for Easter and as we continue our focus on the cross this Lenten season, let's consider the sacrifice of him who gave up his life as a ransom for many. I will read Mark chapter 10 verses 42. To 45. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father, we are struck with the contrast of Jesus' words, his exhortation to his disciples in the state of things in this broken world. And we are struck by the magnitude of your grace and mercy and what you sent your Son to accomplish On our behalf, ill-deserved sinners, minister to us tonight, strengthen us, open our eyes, we might behold the beauty and the glory of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. We pray in his precious name, amen. Several years ago, Hollywood released a movie about a multi-millionaire whose son was taken hostage by kidnappers demanding a ransom payment of some $2 million. Well, as the drama developed in the movie and the law enforcement was fumbling through the case, the terrified father began to fear that they would not get their son back, so began to resort to drastic measures. Rather than pay the ransom, he set a bounty, offering millions more, For anyone who would kill 
the kidnappers and bring his son safely home. Well, this action-packed thriller is a bit of a stretch of reality, a bit far-fetched for everyday life. And yet, the fears you and I have, if and when any of our loved ones are threatened, is very real. Most of us would pay anything, give up anything, everything we own, to protect the lives of our children, to preserve the health and welfare of those that we love. This human instinct comes from God himself. God is a father who will do anything to redeem his children. The redemptive irony is that this father, our God and father, paid a ransom, offering up his one and only son. Rather than protect his son or pay his persecutors and crucifiers a ransom when he was threatened on the cross, this father freely gave up his son to pay a ransom for the lives of men. Our passage tonight comes in context of the presumptuous request of James and John seeking positions of authority at the right and the left hand of Jesus when he comes in his glory. These brothers, in their brashness, jockeying for positions of power, trying to get good cabinet seats in the new Jesus administration, simply failed to understand. Jesus lovingly rebukes his disciples and uses the occasion to teach them about the nature of of his father's kingdom. The most powerful in God's mind is the one who serves. In our text tonight, I hope we will see that Jesus played a servant in life and paid a ransom in death. First, let's consider Jesus as our ransom. The idea of ransom in the Western mind goes back at least to the Roman Empire. Julius Caesar at one point was captured by pirates off the coast of an island and was not released until his supporters paid 50 talents of gold. A similar thing happened to King Richard the Lionhearted about a millennia later. A ransom price to save him from his captors. In fact, throughout the Middle Ages, the, oftentimes the nobility and the princes and the knights of that time would measure their rank against one another based upon the ransom price if they were to be taken hostage by their enemies. A ransom is a payment to buy back something valuable. The biblical idea of ransom goes back to the deliverance of Israel out of Egypt. God redeemed his people, purchasing them at the cost of Egypt's ruin to their economy, army, and firstborn sons. After the exodus, God required a census of every Israelite male Each one had to pay the Lord a ransom for his life. 
as Moses and Aaron established the priestly system, God required every firstborn son of Israel. And in their place, he established the tribe of Levi to be his ministers and servants. And in the census, it turned out there were 273 more firstborn males than Levites, each of whom had to be redeemed from their service to God. The ransom in Israel also came to be known as the slave price, the set one free from his slavery. Well, it is only here and in the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 20 that Jesus refers to his life as a ransom. It's clear that the cost would be his own life. That last word in verse 45, the next last word for the preposition means in the place of indicating the idea of substitution. This would be on the behalf of in the place of many, a great multitude. It's clear from this text that Jesus was not forced to pay this ransom. He gave it freely. Paul, writing to Timothy in chapter 2, verse 6, says that Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all men. Why? Why did Jesus have to die? And to whom did he pay a ransom? I believe it's credited to Origen in the early church who first proposed the idea that Jesus paid a ransom to the devil. It was held that, de- that the devil held humanity captive. And so the father paid him off with the cost of his own son. And this theory was a popular one and prevailed for the better part of a thousand years. Until Anselm of Canterbury in the 11th century and later the Protestant reformers helped establish a more biblical understanding of what took place on the cross. This idea of the ransom theory of the atonement is illustrated in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Perhaps you recall how the white witch demanded the blood of Edmund, the traitor, and in secret counsel between them, Aslan the Lion offers his own life to pay a ransom for Edmund. Now, I don't know whether C.S. Lewis was intentionally advocating the, the ransom theory of the atonement, but it provides a beautiful picture of Christ's substitutionary sacrifice. So, no, we don't believe that Jesus paid a ransom to the devil. Rather, his ransom was paid to the Father. It was to God that man owed this incredible debt for sin. Romans chapter 3 explains that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are justified by God's free grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented his own son as a sacrifice of atonement. Why? Because in his mercy, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. God, who is holy, requires punishment 
for sin. A payment of the weighty debt of our sin. You and I, captive to the tyranny of sin, also fall under the threat of God's almighty wrath. But as Hebrews 9.15 explains, Jesus died as a ransom to set us free from the sins committed under the first covenant. You commit a crime, you pay your debt to society. Likewise, you break God's law, you deserve punishment. And because God is an infinite and holy God, we have an infinite, dreadful debt. And God, in his mercy, chose his own son to pay it on our behalf. Consider the words of prophecy from Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We were desperate. We were hopeless and helpless, having nothing by which we might pay this incredible debt. Only the God-man, the one who was infinite and holy, and yet also a man who could taste death for us. Only the God-man, who was made sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Only the God-man can fully satisfy the righteous requirements of a holy God. In recent days, the United States Treasury has given out huge sums of money, bailout money for large corporations and banks, so that these businesses could pay off their debts. The size of these debts and the billions and trillions of dollars seems infinite to us, but fail to compare to the debt that we owe to God. Our governmental leaders think that we can get out of our plight by spending more taxpayer dollars, but that'll do nothing to remedy our situation with God. Proverbs 11.4 says, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Years ago, I heard firsthand about an encounter between Christian singer-songwriter Steve Camp and pop star sensation Prince, or the singer who was formerly known as Prince. Somehow they ended up on the same elevator together at a music convention. And Steve Camp began to witness to Prince passing by the steely eyes of his bulging bodyguards. Hearing the gospel of Jesus, Prince, in an exasperated spirit and a boastful attitude, asked Steve, Man, 
Do you have any idea how much money I make? Steve replied, In all that money could not buy a single drop of Christ's precious blood. Peter says in his first letter, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I remember the first time I took my parents out to a restaurant and I paid the bill. Some of us think that we do that with God. We let him pay at first. He covers our sins. But as we grow, we have to start paying our own way. Friend, you and I can never pay our own way with God. The cross of Christ means that only Jesus can pay our debts past, present, and our ongoing struggle with sin. Consider the parable Jesus gave to the proud Simon, the Pharisee, and the sinful woman at his table. There were two debtors, one who owed about two months' wages and the other about two years' wages. And the gracious creditor canceled the debts of both. Now, who do you suppose will love the creditor more? And the question for us is, which one are you? How big is your debt? And the further question, will you let him pay it? And will you love him? Jesus paid a ransom in death because he played a servant in life. Jesus' life is a vivid contrast to what we typically think of rulers on earth. Powerful men lord it over their subjects, exercising their authority, flexing their muscles to prove their strength. Insecure rulers suppress any threat, imprisoning dissident political opponents. I find it ironic that politicians in America are referred to as public servants. Some of them are. Many of them are not, characterized more by self-serving agendas, heeding their fear of man, yielding to the demands of the highest bidder. In God's kingdom, the one who would be great must be a servant. He who would be first must be a slave to all. Now, these two Greek words have virtually no difference. They're basically synonyms. The servant focusing on the role or the function and the slave more on the status. Each of them indicate a servant who has given up his rights to himself. His job is to meet the needs of others. His loyalty is to his master. The servant 
of God abandons home rule and yields his independence to the will of his master. On the night he was betrayed on the eve of his death, Jesus played a servant, showing his disciples the full extent of his love, loving them even to the end. Jesus unrobed, took up a towel, a basin filled with water, and began to wash the disciples' feet. The Lord of glory stooped before sinful men. Stooping before sinful men to wash and cleanse their dirty souls. After he was finished, Jesus said to the disciples, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. The kingdom of God is not about authority, but submission. Not power, but service. Not control, but surrender. Some of us have the practice of giving things up for Lent. I gave up coffee, which is hard to do when you have a newborn in the house. Three weeks to go, I think I'll make it. Pray for me. We give these things up not because it merits anything with God, but it is a humble reminder of how slavish our bodies are. How they crave and desire after things that can control us. What are you a slave to? Food? Drink? Your cell phone? Facebook, other people's approval. Is there something you need to yield to God? Is there something you need to give up, not just for Lent, but forever? Surrendering to God your ambition, your grudges, your thought life, your money, To be a servant of the living God. True religion comes from the God who serves. Investigate all the world religions. You will not find a God that serves his people. Every ancient religion to modern day. World religion is about serving the God, feeding the God, sacrificing for the God, giving up your children to placate the wrath of that God. A performance mentality of measuring up to the arbitrary demands of this deity. Allah does not serve Muslims. Mother Earth does not serve her worshipers. Our God is the only one that serves. Good parents serve their children and not demanding service in return. However, good parents teach their children to serve. 
for their own growth and welfare. We love because God first loved us. We serve because God first served us. The ransom of the cross means that you are not your own. Your life is forfeit. You were bought with a price. You are a slave. No longer to your bondage to sin, the world, and self, but now a slave of God to serve him with genuine freedom. Friend, do you love your new master? Do you serve him gladly for all that he has done for you? Joshua exhorted Israel, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of our forefathers are Yahweh, the Lord Almighty. Jesus says, come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. He requires this of you. To receive his payment for your debt. And to follow him. He who for the joy sat before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Follow Jesus. Who did not come to be served. But to serve. And to give his life. It's a ransom for many. Father, we are so grateful that you do not require and demand of us payment that we cannot pay. That you are no longer at enmity with us, but by the cross. Through the redemption of Christ Jesus, our debt is paid. And we have peace with you through the precious blood of Christ. Thank you. Help us, O Lord, to grow in this understanding and to follow our Lord Jesus. We pray in his precious name. Amen.